I'm live Doppler 10 Storm Team Meteorologist Trevor Sonier. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The final hurdle for college football playoff expansion has been cleared as the Rose Bowl made the decision to be part of the expanded college football playoffs, which means we're going from four to 12 teams for 2024. Yeah. You thought there were debates about which four teams are getting in. Can't wait to hear the arguments about, well, why isn't the 14th ranked team deserving to be in? But expansion is coming, and it'll be here in 2024. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. Slightly chilly outside today. Appreciate you kicking off the month of December with us. I'm Raymond Parks III, better known as RP3. I'm joined by the parka-wearing Miss Hannah Five Names. We got a good show lined up for you today. She's cold is what I'm trying to say. She's a little chilly. Could be because I don't think her car has heat. (laughs) What is it about producers on this show that have cars that are breaking down and don't have heat and are essentially put together with duct tape? Because Louis Prejean was the same way. The same way. I luckily have a fiance that's fantastic and got me this lovely heated jacket for my birthday. Well, time out. It's heated? Yeah. Oh, game changer. Shout out to Kenneth. Win in the morning. Oh, yeah. Good for him. We got a tremendous show lined up for you today. We're going to talk about a great local event. Karen Crow Country Christmas. We have not one but two volunteers stopping by later this hour, at the end of this hour, actually, to tell you about the weekend events. That's right, Santa, the big fellow, is going to be involved. Then we're going to have Lee Sterling. Hey, we took last Thursday off because of Thanksgiving. Lee is ready to go. He's got picks to give you for championship weekend in college football, our friend from Paramount Sports. That'll be at 7.30 at 8 o'clock. Les East, the latest with the New Orleans Saints as they gear up for their Monday night football game against the Tampa Bay Bucks, And, of course, the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans won last night, by the way. We'll get to that as well. And then at 8.30, Bill Bender, college football reporter, columnist for the Sporting News, will hop on with us to talk about the conference championship slate, the Heisman Trophy race, and finally expanding from 4 to 12. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls, as always. We know you have something to say. You know we love to hear you say it. 
give us a call on the hotline. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We're going to kick off today's show talking about expanding the playoff field. Fans have been clamoring for this. And it's finally happened. I knew it was always going to happen. You want to know why? It's very simple. Because there's money to be made. Once we transition from the BCS to the college football playoff back in 2014. Yeah, it's been that long already. Everyone figured out, hey, this actually works. Hey, we're making a lot more money. Hey, this is really nice. And the fear then by many old school college football fans or power brokers that didn't want to embrace an expanded college football playoff field was the worry about money. Well, here's the thing. You still have your New Year's six-day bowl games that draw a ton of ratings and that make a ton of money. So even if you don't get into the college football playoff, those New Year's six-day bowl games have proven in nearly the last 10 years that they are immensely profitable, beneficial for the networks, and have helped college football continue to grow into a billion-dollar industry. Some people had to be shown that, just didn't have faith to believe that that would happen. But that's exactly what's occurred since it's launched in 2014. And now they'll embrace that model. Because now those New Year's six-day bowl games will be part of the college football playoff field. And everyone's going to be happy. The bowls and those cities that host those bowl games, like Atlanta, like New Orleans like Glendale, Arizona, and Dallas, Fort Worth, Miami, they're going to be happy because they're still going to be able to hold their bowl game. In addition, their bowl game will now be part of the college football playoff. Boom. Everyone wins. The big sticking point for the last year or so has been the granddaddy of them all as Keith Jackson used to like to say the Rose Bowl the Rose Bowl is all about tradition of all the bowl games we have in college football it's the most prestigious look I love the Sugar Bowl the Sugar Bowl may be my favorite bowl game to go to because it reps the South it's in New Orleans Even when I was a kid, I always loved the Sugar Bowl. Going to the Sugar Bowl was a big deal. But the Rose Bowl is the king of the bowls. Always has been, always will be. It's the granddaddy of them all. The problem for college football playoff expansion, while all the other sites, because right now you're on a rotational basis, where two of your New Year's Six bowl games serve as the semifinals and the rest are just the New Year's Six Bowl games for that year. Well, the Rose Bowl was the sticking point. 
because everything that goes in with the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl was going to have to give up its traditional, traditional lineup. It always, with the exception of being part of the college football playoff, the Rose Bowl always wants Big Ten, Pac-12 matchup. That's the traditional matchup. West Coast team versus a Midwestern team. That's the matchup they like to have. They like to have it on their day. Rose Bowl's always held on New Year's Day. That's what they like to do. Well, money started to talk. Money got involved. And you know what happened? It got the job done. Rose Bowl's going to be part of it. So now we can go to 12-team playoffs. That's what's going to happen now. Paves the way, and we get to go to a 12-team playoff. 2024-2025 is when we can expect this. So we still have to go through one more year of just the four-team playoff, one more year of belly aching about the fact that there's only four teams, but you're going to get the 12 teams in 2024. And the 12 seems to be the sweet spot. There's going to be some that are going to clamor for 16 or 20 and just, no. I I think 12 is probably too much. Call me old-fashioned and call me a traditionalist, but 12 seems to be like, eh. Are there 12 teams good enough to be in the college football playoff this year? When you look at the rankings? Maybe. Maybe. Means you're going to have a lot of three-loss teams in there, doesn't it? Three-loss K-State, number nine. Or number 10, rather. Three-loss Utah at 11 going to be a lot of two loss teams a lot of maybe even three loss teams in the college football playoff field when we expand to 12 this also is going to ensure the flip side of this and I've warned people of this I've warned college football fans of this well you know we get to 12 that's great you realize now that you're going to have like Alabama Clemson and Oklahoma typically in it every single year now They've been in it every single year to begin with. This is the year where they're going to be left out. Hey, just wait, 2024 is going to come around. That's going to work. Because then they'll just be the wild cards. There you go, in. Sources tell ESPN on Wednesday night that the Rose Bowl has agreed to terms that will pave the way for the college football playoff expansion. Any more steps towards an expanded playoff are a simple formality. As the formal announcement of the college football expansion beginning in 2024 is expected to be imminent in the next few days. In early September, the College Football Playoff Board of Managers voted to expand the playoff to 12 teams starting in 2026. With nearly $450 million at stake, once again, $450 million at stake, The final two years of the current contract, the path towards expanding in those two seasons has been fraught with complications. But after months of haggling, 
Getting the Rose Bowl on board loomed as the final step. The Rose Bowl finally agreed to amend its contract as the other five so-called contract bowls needed to do in order to accommodate the new system. So instead of waiting to 2026, now you're going to get this in 2024 because the Rose Bowl said, okay, fine. Heather Dinich of ESPN reported earlier this week that the Rose Bowl was essentially given an ultimatum to agree to the terms or risk being shut out of the next television contract, which begins in 2026. See what happens? It's all about the money. Rose Bowl, you got the tradition. Rose Bowl, you're the granddaddy of them all. Guess what? If you don't sign up for us to expand the playoff to 12 teams in 2024, two years earlier, you may just get left out of the television contract and be in one of those bowl games. The Rose Bowl's request for special treatment included an exclusive window for their game, which they love to have. A television window considered one of the most valuable in sports in years when the Rose Bowl wasn't hosting a college football playoff game on New Year's. Essentially, sources say that the college football officials told Rose Bowl officials this week that they make good faith efforts to work with them on those requests, but that would not include the exclusive window for the Rose Bowl that isn't a part of the college football playoff. And any of the Rose Bowl's requests that involve the next contract, be it financial or otherwise, were impossible to even address as there's no way to know what the television contracts for the next college football playoff will look like. The Rose Bowl got strong-armed to expand the playoff two years earlier. That just happened because of the money involved. The Rose Bowl always loves its window of the game being when it is because it's associated with the parade it holds earlier in the day. And it's always been traditional for like 60 years. It's not going to have that now because the amount of money being poured into college football from television. That the Rose Bowl has agreed to just, okay, we'll just be another one of these New Year's six-day bowl games. That's huge. That's huge. For a lot of us that are old enough to remember, this is a big deal. Not only is it a big deal if you're a sports fan because you get to college football playoff expansion, this is a huge deal because the Rose Bowl has been strong-armed to say, hey, this is what we're doing. And if you want to be part of it, that's great. If not, that's good too. The machine of college football and how it's printing money has gotten to the point where it doesn't even need the Rose Bowl. Think about that for a second. Think about that. Unbelievable. We got to take a timeout. We'll talk more about the college football playoff expansion now clearing the final hurdle with the Rose Bowl being on board. And we'll also take your phone calls. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Needing to grab some Christmas gifts? Then look no further than AcadianaDeals.com. Right now, you can score a discounted rate for vouchers to buy you Pop Gourmet Popcorn, who has more than 40 flavors in gourmet popcorn, Mudcat Whiskers, where you can get handcrafted beard grooming products, and Emmy's Ice Cream, which offers up supreme ice cream. You can get an additional 50% off this week only. 50% off. Just use the discount code Delta. 50. That's Delta 50 to score an additional discount at AcadianaDeals.com. Don't delay. This offer ends Friday at midnight, so go visit AcadianaDeals.com right now. College football playoff finally has expanded. It will go to 12 teams, and instead of 2026, it will go in 2024, thanks now to the Rose Bowl getting on board. How is this going to look? little refresher course on what the college football playoffs going to look. Right now, the committee selects the top four teams. One takes on four, two takes on three. They're played in a rotational site. That's part of the New Year's, New Year's six bowl games. Two of them serve as semifinal sites, and they rotate year after year. Here's how it's going to work starting in 2024. The committee is still going to pick your 12 teams. That's still going to be part of the process. You're still going to have the television event every week of the unveiling of the rankings. That takes way too long. But there is going to be a little bit of a difference. The top four seeds will receive first-round buys. Those are going to be reserved for the highest-ranked conference champions. Now, in this model, independents such as Notre Dame will never get a buy. It does not matter if the Fighting Irish are undefeated. They will not receive a bye because in this model, they will not have a bye because they do not play in a conference championship game. This is also a nice way of strong-arming Notre Dame to get its act together and go join a conference. Seeds one through four will begin the playoff in the quarterfinal round. They will be given the choice of where they want to play their New Year's Day six bowl games as well, which is different. You know, there's usually some negotiation behind the scenes on these kind of things. But how it's going to be is that if you get get one of the top four seeds, you can negotiate which New Year's six day bowl game you want to go to. Many of them will go to bowl games that are closer to them, of course. So in in this scenario, you know, let's say Michigan, who's right now the number two seed, they would probably pick one of the New Year's Day six bowl games that's going to be closer to them. Or they may decide, hey, we'd want to be in the Rose Bowl because of the tradition of it. Georgia may decide, hey, we don't want to leave Georgia, so we're going to stay right there in the Peach Bowl. Alabama may choose the Sugar Bowl. LSU would choose the Sugar Bowl. You see how this works. So that would be your options there. So the top four seeds would be able to pick their New Year's Day six bowl games. 
Number one would pick first, followed by number two, three, and four. Bowl games for the quarterfinals and semifinals be, will, of course, be rotated on an annual basis, just like they are now. So that won't change. The current New Year's Day Six Bowls, or of course, are the Rose Bowl, the Sugar, Orange Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, Peach Bowl, and Cotton Bowl. College football playoff championship game will continue to be played at a neutral site. So that will not change either. So once again, with the exception of the buys, everything is kind of the same, right? Rotational sites, you're still going to have the six New Year's Day Six Bowl games. Just whoever gets the buys will be able to choose which New Year's Day Six Bowl games they get to have in the quarters. Seeds 5 through 12 in this new format will be filled by the remaining eight highest-ranked teams using the college football playoff rankings and allowing for two conference champions. Two. The five seed will play the 12 seed. The six seed will play the 11 seed. Seven will play the 10. And the eight will play the nine. First-round games will be played at the higher-seeded team's place, either on campus or at another location designated by the host team. So, for example, if LSU decided they didn't want to host a quarterfinal game in Baton Rouge for whatever reason, they said, hey, we want to do it in New Orleans instead. They can do that if they're the higher-seeded team. That's how that's going to work. But typically, this is going to be the portion where they're going to have them on campus and of course the teams are going to prefer to have them on campus because they can sell more tickets control the concessions the whole nine yards these games will not have any title or presenting sponsors so these will be just straight up playoff games this will not be you know a quarterfinal game presented by whatever there'll be no bowl game attached to these these will be played on site on campus after the first round is done, after you have those matchups, 5-12, 6-11, 7-10, play, the playoff will then play out as an 18 competition starting with the quarterfinals. The playoff field will be reduced to four teams for the semifinals and then two teams for the college football playoff championship game. So there you go. Quarter, the first round will be played on campus sites. Quarterfinals will be played at the New Year's Day Six Bowl games. Semifinals and then college football playoff championship. Is that the sweet spot? Part of me feels like 12 is just a little too much. Feels like we're going to get too many teams that shouldn't really be in the mix. And, and I get it. I, I actually understand both arguments here. I'm for expansion. It makes sense. What makes the NCAA men's tournament so good is because you have those upsets, right? You have those 15 or 16 seeds that take down the mighty Goliaths. Makes perfect sense. But look at the college football playoffs since they've begun in 2014. The committee has put together the four best teams in the country, right? That's what they've done. We have blowouts every single year. Every single year we have blowouts in particular in the semifinals. And that's been that way since 2014. 
Is it going to get better? Is the fact that you're going to give the top four seeds a bye and let teams 5 through 12 battle it out, is that going to ensure that we're not going to have these lopsided affairs on national TV? It could, right? Because the theory is 5 through 12 is probably a little bit more balanced. The number six team is probably a little bit closer in competition to the number 10 team, right? So maybe you avoid those blowouts at least early on in the process. And maybe you get a team that's the 10 seed or the 11 seed that can pull off the big upset. I mean, look at the rankings right now. If these rankings hold, and let's say the college football playoff expansion was set for this season, right? Let's say it would be set for right now. Well, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC would get the buys. Ohio State would play Washington. That would be your 5-12 matchup. Alabama would play Utah, 6-11. Tennessee would play Kansas State, 7-10. And Penn State and Clemson would face off 8-9. Those are some intriguing matchups. So I get it. I'm for it. But I do worry, are we just going to have even more blowouts here? Because you're talking about teams in Kansas State and Utah that have three losses. We're going to have three lost teams getting in. Now, that doesn't include the fact that you would have to put in some of the group of five teams, right? The highest rated group of five team. So, in this case, Tulane would get in, right? Well, that'd be cool. So, that's part of it. But I'm excited, but on the same hand, I'm going to be a little cautious here. Will this actually fix the issue that we're having every year of blowout after blowout after blowout? we got to take a timeout. Come back. We'll take your phone calls. Unveil the poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. Two, four, niner, five, six, seven, eight. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on, on the, the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. College football playoff expansion is now a done deal. Nothing but a formality now that the Rose Bowl has agreed to the terms, essentially being strong-armed. And a point Chris Vanini has made, our friend from The Athletic, college football reporter, he had no problem with the Rose Bowl kind of holding out on this. And I actually agree with Chris on this because the Rose Bowl felt like it was still a traditional college football game and not a corporation it it just it wanted to hold on to its tradition wanted to hold on to that but realized hey 
we can fight this as much as we want, but college football has vastly changed, and it's vastly changed in the last 20 years, by the way. The college football I grew up or that my dad watched and that I watched as a kid no longer exists. just doesn't. The amount of money that is in college football now, it is an industry. Like, you know, the steel industry or coal industry. That's what college football is now. Rose Bowl tried to hold out as long as they could. So, I actually agree with Chris there. I have no problem with them kind of holding out because they wanted to kind of keep something that is there. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on our first caller of the day. He's been patiently waiting. James is on the line. James, good morning to you, brother. Hope you're bundled up, being safe out there this morning. What's on your mind? Oh, Mr. RP3, I'm already at work, man, so I, I beat the rush every day. There it is. Uh, I, I, got, I got something to say about the college football, but uh, first I was going to tell you, be careful there with, with uh, Miss Hannah because you're basically setting her up, uh, bagging on her car to have her ask you for a raise. <laughs> um, touche. <laughs> touche. Touche. Look, look, I, I don't see – uh, you, you'd say that, but then she's over there with a fancy, like, heated jacket that her fiancé gave her. So, I mean, I don't have anything yeah, that yeah. I don't have anything that nice. Uh, yeah, I got you. Well, I got a question for you. A comment right. and a question. I really want to hear your opinion on about college football since you brought the subject. And it's a good subject. I think the college football uh, committee there kind of finally got something right. If you only went to eight teams, in my humble opinion – you're still going to have a situation where number nine and ten are complaining, just like number five and six do now. But when you go to 12, who really wants to hear number 13 and 14 complain? So I'd rather, you know, fail a little bit on adding an extra one or two teams than one or two teams too less. But, but what I wanted to ask you about, I don't know if you've thought about it or anybody else has, with Texas and, and them coming into the SEC and going to 16 teams, the SEC was talking about going to this weird pod system with four teams in each pod, like Texas A&M, LSU, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss, and then the SEC having a semifinal game and then a championship game. So conceivably, if like an SEC team came up through that and then was in that number five to number 12 bracket and made it in, Conceivably, you could be playing 17 college football team games. A that year. is correct. That's so I didn't know if anybody had thought about that and, and kind of the implications. And it's even more money. It's even more games. It's an even longer mm-hmm. college football season. It's, it's a good point. I, w- I want to touch on both of them. Appreciate the phone call, brother. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. I want to touch on what James had to say the, the last part. Because I also got texted that during the break as well. Shout out to my guy, Chad Jones. 17 games means more risk for injury for the players, doesn't it? Sure does. NIL is here to stay. Like, I know we have discussions all the time about, you know, high NIL is out of control and they're going to try to rein it in and they're going to try to do things to to make it more limited. And uh uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. You, you, you're going to 17 games, man. You're going to 17 games. And what's going to happen is you're going to have even more NIL money. And NIL is going to be even more critical 
for playoff contenders to keep their guys because I'm going to break down the scenario for you. I'm a player. I'm player A, and I'm playing for a team that's a fringe playoff contender team, right? You get 12 teams. I'm going to need to get paid if you want me to play in the playoffs. I'm going to need to get paid if you want me to try to help you win a championship. That's where we're going. You may not like it. You may not like this idea of players negotiating for more money through NIL initiatives. But I guarantee you the teams that are going to be in the mix year in, year out for the college football playoff have boosters that have deep pockets that are going to be throwing money around left and right to keep guys in to make them have an incentive to play essentially an NFL season in college. Because that's what you're going to be asking 17, 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. You think the NIL stuff is bad now? Oh, just wait. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Because if you're those teams, let's say you're LSU. Gordon McKernan's going to step up to the plate and make sure those guys get paid. That way there's no possibility of them opting out and not taking part in the college football playoffs. Because if you take part in the playoffs, then you have a chance to winning a national championship. And those contenders are going to make sure that those kids are going to get paid. The rest of everyone else, the teams that don't get to make it into the playoffs and just have to settle for second-tier bowl games. By the way, I love bowl games. I know it's in vogue to hate on bowl games. I love them, and I think the kids love them too. They'll opt out left and right. That whole movement that was began with Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette when they opted not to play in bowl games, that will continue as well. So you'll have both things going on at the same time. You'll have guys saying, I'm going to rest up to prepare for the NFL draft. I'm not going to damage my body and ruin an opportunity to play at the next level because of a bowl game. Or you'll even have some guys eventually down the road that will opt not to play in a quarterfinal game if they're a 12 seed. They'll be like, well, we're only a 12 seed. We don't have a chance. Why am I going to play in this? I'm going to the NFL. That's going to happen. Hate to tell you, but that's going to happen. When you allow the sport to become a billion-dollar industry, these are the things that are going to occur. And here's the other part. James brought up, well, you won't have as much belly aching. Well, here's where it's going to come in. The rule states that you're gonna, you have to take, of your 12 teams, you're going to take the six highest-ranked conference champions. I said six. And then you take six at large bids, at large teams. Well, last time I checked, I'll go through the conferences here, right? Let's do let's count them together. All right? SEC, ACC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12. Well, those are your Power 5 conferences. But it says in the agreement that you're taking the six highest-ranked conference champions. So what's going to happen and where the belly aching is going to come in, even with a 12-team expanded playoff, is in, like, say, this year right now, Tulane would take one of those spots because they're the highest-ranked group of five, not power five, group of five champion, which means they automatically get a seat at the table. See how that works? Telling you.
that's going to be a sticking point. Now, credit the committee for saying, hey, the highest-ranked Group of Five champion gets a chance here. That's great. But you're going to have some belly aching there. Oh, I'm a, I'm a two-loss SEC team. Why am I not getting in uh, over this team from the American Athletic Conference? Or why is the Sun Belt champion getting in over us? That's going to happen because that's how it's going to be designed. And here's the other thing that's going to cause some more belly aching. You can look at college football playoff expansion this way. A, it's a good thing. More teams get in, more games matter, more fans are engaged, and you get playoff games on campus sites. Those are all great things, right? What does it also mean? That the teams that you're tired of seeing in there are going to have an easier chance of getting in every single year. Your Alabama, your Ohio State, your Clemson, your Oklahomas, your Georgias. Those teams that you are tired of seeing in the college football playoff year after year, do you think they're going to go anywhere? Alabama's one of the worst Alabama teams Nick Saban's ever had. They're number six. Two losses, not even a conference champion. They're number six. Clemson only fell one spot. They're still in the top ten. If Oklahoma wasn't a dumpster fire and only a six-win team, they would still find a way to be in there. The favoritism that has been longstanding with the college football playoff committee and certain teams, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Clemson. Those four, those four that you that have dominated the college football playoffs, those four that you're tired of seeing, guess what? They're still going to be in the mix year after year. So you want expansion, you got it. You're going to have more teams in there. You're going to have more on-campus site games. You're going to have more teams with an opportunity to be in the playoff mix, like a two-lane this year. That's great. You'll take that all day long. But it also comes with the caveat of you're more than likely going to have to keep dealing with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Can't have one without the other. Now, what you can hope for is that those teams go into the dumpster like Oklahoma has this year. And you can hope that for Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson and let other people play in these games. But make no mistake about it, the expansion to 12, as good as it is of expanding things and getting more teams involved, it's also going to allow the big boys, the dominant powers, the ones that have been dominating this conversation and dominating it from jump, that's going to continue to allow them to do so. Make no mistake about that now. Leads us to our poll question of the day. What's the ideal number of teams for the college football playoff? Is it four like it currently is? Is it eight? Is it 12? Do you think 12 is the sweet spot or do you think it should be 16? I say 12 and right now 63% of you agree. 25% say eight. 6% say 4, 6% say 16. We'll get to your comments after this timeout. We'll wrap up hour number one. Coming up with a little Karen Crow Country Christmas action. Big event this weekend with Santa. We'll talk about it next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. <laughs> Thank you. 
With Turkey Day and Black Friday behind us, it's time to put the focus on Christmas. That's right, the big fella in the suit. He's going to be making the rounds. You know you want to go see Christmas lights. You know you want to take part in an old school kind of traditional Christmas. And guess what? This weekend, Karen Crow Country Christmas, old-fashioned Christmas celebration. It's a two-day event. And joining us here in RP3 and Company to help preview the event are two volunteers with the Karen Crow Country Christmas. First up is Jake Johnson. He's a volunteer. He's going to tell us about the first day of the event. Good morning to you, brother. Thank you for making the time. And just tell us, how excited are you about this year's event? Yeah, we're very excited to have everybody. We, we I want to take the time to invite everyone to to the event. It's the Karen Crow's Old Fashioned Christmas, uh, Friday, December 2nd, 6 to 8, at the Patriots Pavilion behind City Hall in downtown Karen Crow. It is a 100% free event. Uh, the theme this year is White Christmas, and we're bringing snow to Karen Crow. Uh, we want to we want to invite the community, bring your wife, bring your girlfriend. Don't bring both. It is a family event. Uh, we're having the lighting of the Christmas tree, Christmas music by local musicians. Santa's going to be there, Mrs. Claus, the elves the grinch will be there hopefully not stealing presidents and we have a ton of activities for the kids cookie decorating ornament making lettuce to santa reindeer food uh, food trucks will be there for purchase if you are hungry and your family's there uh, we are also accepting stocking stuffers to benefit the kiwanis of karen crow they're doing a drive so we'd appreciate any help with that but to learn more if you would want to find us on facebook the karen crow cultural district uh, you can get a whole lot more info there i mean you just gave us a slew of info right there and you also gave some sage advice saying make sure not to not to bring both the girlfriend and the wife that's that sound of uh, advice especially around the mistletoe that could be make things a little awkward around the holidays and we and we don't want that you know but all joking aside jake you know an event like this it it appeals to so many people because so many people of my age in our 40s and 50s you know remember more of a kind of traditional christmas setting and we want to do that with our own children you know that's part of why this is such a a big event and such a a beloved event right is that you get to have that kind of old-fashioned Christmas celebration in a safe environment. You don't have to worry about being packed into the mall and dealing with all that. It correct. This it's an excellent event. Uh, we have everything. We we thought of everything we possibly could to make it fun for your family uh, and a fun environment. Meet your neighbors. It is it is an absolute event you do not want to miss. Uh, we 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 look forward to having it, and we hope to see a whole lot of people there. Now you mentioned you're going to bring snow to Karen Crow. Now, last time I checked, I am not a weatherman by any stretch of the imagination, but my friend, I do know that we live in Southwest Louisiana. So what kind of tricks you guys got up your sleeve, especially Friday night to have snow and make a winter wonderland, so to speak, there in Karen Crow? So like I said earlier, we are bringing snow to Karen Crow. It's going to be 41 tonight, I believe, somewhere around that temperature, but there will be actual snow falling. I can guarantee you, I spoke to the weatherman, 100% chance of snow. What's funny about that, my daughter, she's now eight, and she was three, I think, when we had that great snowfall about five years ago, and it, it stayed for days, and we made a snowman and everything, and it was around the holidays. I think it was in early December, right around this time. So now every year, every year, the little one, my daughter Hattie goes, Daddy, is it going to snow? Is it going to snow this year? Is it going to snow for Christmas? And I have to keep telling her, we live in Louisiana, so I'm definitely going to probably come out and see you guys on Friday night. So she will get her snow fix. That's just part of the Karen Crow Country Christmas, old-fashioned Christmas celebration. That's the Friday night portion. Now we're going to talk about what's going to be happening on Saturday. And joining us is another volunteer. She's Margaret Rosa. She is 
in charge of kind of the Saturday event, and that includes the second annual Dasher Dancer Prancer 5K Run. That's going to begin in the morning at 8 o'clock. That, of course, is sponsored by Acadiana Fitness. And then there's far more going on as well. Margaret, why is this event so important it was important for us to start this event 25 years ago on a, on a parking lot downtown, and now we have progressed to the community center, which is a much larger area, and we will have over 70 booths of vendors and food, as well as choirs and singers. This was initiated in an attempt to show our local artists and craftspeople's um, items so that we could have people shop local. They get to shop local. The local vendors get to be part of this as well. But it's also a great event for communities to kind of come together. You guys also do this 5K, the Dasher Dancer Prancer 5K run. You, you did it last year. This is the second time that you're doing it. What's the reaction been to that? And how excited are people, folks, having that back and being part of the Cairn Crow Country Christmas yet again? It has been uh, well-received and the other good part about getting the people moving is that they make a donation to um, a local charity. So one of our other big um, thoughts about this event is to come out and meet your neighbors. So one of our um, other main thoughts about providing this event is that you can come out and um, meet your neighbors and friends and make new friends also. The other part of this weekend event that I love is that you're encouraging folks to also uh, give donations uh, of food or hygiene products and gently use school uniforms. Obviously, it's a celebration and it's a great time to get together with the community. But on the same hand, you're encouraging folks to help out their friends and neighbors. Correct. And these items go to our local schools, which the community, um, the Kiwanis Club has helped to provide items for what they call the um, clothing closets at the schools. Once again, Karen Crow Country Christmas, 25th year of a traditional family-oriented event, will be this weekend. If you want more information, Margaret, tell the folks where they can go to get more information about this weekend event. And then, obviously, you guys have something else coming up in a few weeks. Tell the people where they can go to get all that information. So, for information, you can go to our Karen Crow Country Christmas Facebook page or call 337-280-9570. So the judging of the house and business decorating will be on December 13th. Once again, Karen Crow Country Christmas, old-fashioned Christmas, 25th year of traditional family-oriented event, will be taking place this weekend. Can't wait to go check it out. Once again, thanks to Jake and Margaret for stopping by to let us know all about it. we got to take a timeout as that wraps up our number one on this Thursday edition. When we return, it'll be time to kick off our number two here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. College football playoff is expanding. It's going to do so two years earlier. 
Originally, it was set for 2026. Now it's going to be 2024 after the Rose Bowl reportedly has cleared the path to go two years early. So this will begin in 2024. No more four-team playoff, which we've had since 2014. Of course, the college football playoff replaced the old BCS system, and the BCS system replaced the old poll system. What do you think about this? Is the 12 the ideal number? Once again, how is it going to boil down as this? They'll take the top six highest-ranked conference champions. Top six highest-ranked conference champions. And then six at large. Now, technically, you could have, say, the American Athletic Conference. You could have the Sunbelt Conference have a champion ranked higher than a team from the Pac-12 or the team from the Big 12. That could happen. But you're going to take your top six highest-ranked conference champs, six at-large bids. Top four will receive buys. Seeds 5 through 12 will play games on campus at the higher seed. And then they'll just use the New Year's Six Bowl games as the quarterfinals and semifinals. And then, of course, the neutral site for the college football playoff national championship. We asked you, what is the ideal number for teams for the college football playoff? 56% of you say 12 is the sweet spot. That's the place to be. 13% say it should be 16 28% say 8, 3% say 4. Let's get to some comments, shall we? Y'all active, y'all fired up about this. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, RP3, there's no such thing as too much college football. 12 is great. We'll also get to see matchups where the SEC team in the number 12 spot is able to show the depth of the SEC when they beat the overrated little 10 team at number (laughs) 6. Salty Steve says, who cares more football? And, and Salty wanted to get his point across because he said more football in, in all caps with three explanation points. So he's kind of yelling at us. But that's okay. Salty Steve is getting a saltiness out on a Thursday because remember, hashtag no salt Friday. It's like coming, it, it's like a Christmas gift coming in just a few years. Somebody is going to complain no matter how many you start with. It's true. Earn it on the field, not in a room decided by a panel. B-Rad says there's going to be six auto bids for conference champions, then six at-large bids. Then they'll see the teams 1 through 12. Oh, and the SEC has said they're not going to use a pod system and is leaning towards eliminating divisions. That's another interesting part of this, and I'm glad B-Rad brought it up. They floated the idea of a pod system. They floated the idea of divisions. Well, guess what? Why do you need divisions in college football anymore? If you're the SEC and we have a 12-team playoff and you have a chance to put six in there, right? If you're the SEC, you're Greg Sankey, you're going to want to try to push to have, what, half the field be the SEC? Why would you even concern yourself with division championships? Two best teams in the conference play for the conference championship game. Boom, and then you still have the runner-up whoever the three team is, the four, the five, and even maybe even the six have a chance to get in. Once again, college football is going to completely change. That pod system that they talked about, like LSU, A&M, Oklahoma, Texas being in one pod, uh, Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, and I think it was Kentucky in another pod, the Mississippi schools with Alabama and Auburn in a pod. 
I get it. It makes some sense. But Greg Sankey's laid the groundwork for this in the last two to three weeks saying, well, you know, we may go away from the pod system after all. We may not do that. You know what? We may just get rid of divisions. It's all about the end result. It's all about giving your conference as many chances to get into the playoff to get that additional revenue. Darren, not on board for 12. He says, I think eight because it is base, it's uh, best for the Power 5 schools. People think expanding at 12 will get group of five schools in, but I don't think so. Cut the conference championship games and expand to eight. Those extra games would be too many, plus there are too many bowls already. Mr. Green, a.k.a. Jamie, says, I say 16. All group of five and power five conference champions with six at large. A lot of folks have been banging the table for that. The power brokers of college football would never allow that to happen. And not not right now. That That's why they wrote it in the contract. We got 12. You're going to take the six highest ranked conference champions. That is essentially means... Just like it is right now where the highest-ranked group of five champion gets a spot in a New Year's Six-Day Bowl game. We've had Cincinnati take that spot before. We've seen Tulane on the prep, uh, on the brink of having that this year. That's essentially what it's going to be. Expanding to 12 is not going to get you multiple group of five teams in. It's just not. Just not. Ton on Twitter says, I think 16 would be sweet. 12 is good. 16 is better. But the way college football drags its feet, we'll be lucky to see eight. Watch. Unexpected delay is currently loading. So negative, Ton. Hart on Twitter says, 12 is a sweet spot for me. Just like anything else in life, you have to take the good with the bad. I like the fact that teams that would never sniff the playoffs in the past, despite record, Tulane would have a chance. Yeah. Look, if we had the expanded 12-team playoff this year, if Tulane wins the American Athletic Conference Championship against UCF, they're in. That's kind of cool. JPK, the OD, says Nacho, says they finally got something right with the Nacho Libre gif. Ralph on Twitter says, no matter the number, the next couple of teams left out will feel like they got screwed, but 16 is too many for sure. Look, you're going to have that. We have that now with the NCAA tournament which puts in, what, 69 teams every year? And you still have teams and you still have media folks complaining that so-and-so got left out of the NCAA tournament field, that so-and-so got screwed and has to go play in the NIT. We do that every year, and that's college basketball with nearly 70 teams. So you're still going to have complaining You're still going to have teams saying, I should have gotten in. You're still going to have people being critical of the college football playoff committee, their selection process. That's still going to happen. That's not going to go away just because of expansion. Bob Rose says, six, give the top two a bye. Ralph says, Ralph says, looks like five names left out the obligatory option again. Where's the other one? Oh, five names getting called out by Ralph. Where's the other option for the poll question? She didn't get to be able to put the other as an option because I gave her all four options. So I have to come to five names as defense this morning. (laughs) Scott Froh says 16 is the number all 10 conference champions and six at-large teams. Everyone gets a shot like basketball and baseball. 
Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. What's the ideal number for teams in the college football playoff? What's it like? Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Ralph to the show. Ralph, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, good morning, Ray. Uh, well, first of all, I'm in negotiations with Elon Musk right now to uh, add a fifth uh, option to the polls so that other can always be included. That's right. Can, um, hey, but during those negotiations, can you ask him for an edit button as well? Can we make that happen? That is, it's a package deal. It's either one or, or none. All right. Yeah, I like that. Thank you for that. Okay. All right. No, no problem. Yeah. I was working on not having to pay to get verified, but I'm not worried about that because I'll never get be verified. So, um, not a big deal. Same here, but, bud. Same um, here. <laughs> hey, my, my question for you is this, though. Um, and I know it would only pertain to possibly a, a handful of players, but at what point – I love football. I'd love it to be year-round. We know that it's too vital of a sport for that to happen. What I'm looking at is if you play in a 12-game regular season, if you have a conference championship, that's 13, and then you go into, let's just say, a 16-game playoff, a 16-team playoff. So that's four more potential games. A 17-game season, now the draft is in April, and you have another 17-game season as an NFL rookie coming up ahead of you. So you're potentially playing 34 games in a year. Mm -hmm. Man, that seems like a lot, you know, for, for a for a body to take. Uh, Ralph, and look, I've thought about that as well, that the expanded number. Now, look, you're only going to have that for the guys that are going to be in the playoff, but you could also make the argument that right. those are the guys that are probably going to be the most coveted draft prospects because of where they're playing right? At, right? So uh, that, right. that goes to part of it. There is a way of thinking, uh, a thought process out there that, well, this will get these guys, these guys better prepared for the NFL because the NFL is a longer season. Uh, but I do worry because maybe eventually, right? Eventually the, their bodies will be conditioned for that. But I, I do have a concern there of are these kids, once again, we're talking kids. They're, they're not grownups, right? They're, they're kids. No. They're 18, 19, 20 year olds. And a lot of times their bodies are still developing. Like I remember being a kid, I, I hit a growth spurt when I was 20 years old. I grew another you know, inch or so. And, 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 right. and so they're still kind of growing into their bodies. 17 games seems like a lot to me. It does. And we haven't talked enough about it, but that's where I just think because the money has gotten to, to be so large in college football that the, the health – of the players really doesn't matter it, it just doesn't and that's where you're going to see nil take care of the kids that that's how that's going to go that's why i say everyone says well they're going to regulate nil no they're not because now because of the college football playoff expansion your these programs are going to be dependent i'm talking clemson alabama florida state texas lsu usc michigan ohio state all those teams are going to even be more dependent on nil money to use as a, incentives to have their kids stick around to deal with the fact that they're playing in 17 games. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And, and, you know, right now you see kids that are, that are declaring for the draft and, and projected to go in the draft, you know, opting out of bowl games. But in a, in a playoff series, you really don't, don't have that, that option. You know, that's, uh, you know, you got to suit up and play, man. So exactly. it's, a, it's an interesting quandary, you know. So, uh, but I just wanted to 
to chime in. I hope you all have a great day. And, um, you know, let's just hope Miguez enjoys pie day. Oh, he won't. I will, though. I will. I will actually. I haven't decided yet, Ralph, if I'm going to go buy a pie or if I'm just going to go home and make one. Um, well, so there's, there's nothing like, like a homemade pie. Oh, there I, it is. I, I'd go with the homemade. I'm, there it is. There it is. I'm, Appreciate the phone call, brother. Yes, be safe out there today. Right. Okay, have a good day. Thanks. Hey, we got to take a timeout. Keep those votes coming for our, our poll question of the day about college football playoff expansion. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll continue to share them throughout today's show. But, hey, just a reminder, your friends here at the game, I'm talking, yeah, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, Kevin Foote, Jordy Holberg, Hannah, five names and yours truly. We want to help you out this holiday season. We want to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. That sounds great, doesn't it? Boy, that could come in handy, buying those last-minute gift ideas for the wife or for the kids. $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armitar Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. That's right, a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armitar Jewelers and the Game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on, on the, the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The New Orleans Pelicans, are they actually good? They defeated the Toronto Raptors 126-108. to The Raptors are pretty good, right? 11-10 and on the season. They're off on the road, though, 3-8 and now. But the Pelicans, man, 13-8 and overall, 8-3 and inside the big blender where they played last night. They jumped out to a 40, scored 40 points in the opening quarter last night. They're currently the third best team in the Western Conference. What? And they have so much balance. They just do. Zion had 33 points and 10 rebounds. Balachunas had a double-double with 16 and 13. Herb Jones, defensive specialist Herb Jones, out there scoring 12 points. Trey Murphy dropping 26. My man loves shooting three-pointers. Six of 12 from the field. He put on a show. Larry Nance Jr. gave him 10 points off the bench. Dyson Daniels, the 19-year-old rookie, played 31 minutes, scored 14 points, had nine assists and eight rebounds. 19-year-old rookie nearly had a triple-double. And they had three players not even play due to coach's decision. And Brandon Ingram still banged out, not playing. And C.J. McCollum out, not playing. So you had two of your starters not playing, and you had three players off the bench did not play due to coaches' decisions. 
and they still won 126 to 108 over a pretty good team out of the Eastern Conference. Now, it's still early, right? But you're watching this team kind of come together. We're seeing this team understand what their role is. I actually think it's a good thing with CJ and BI being out missing time because it allows Zion time to bond and develop that chemistry on the court with the other guys. McCollum's a vet. He'll figure it out. B.I.'s a vet. He's already played alongside Zion. They'll figure it out. But this gives Zion time to play with Valachunas and play with Trey Murphy and play with the other guys on the team, Herb Jones, and figure out how they move in space together, how they execute Willie Green's offense, how they hustle back for defense. This actually is good because it lets Zion have time to build chemistry with these guys because, remember, he didn't play at all last year. And yet, even with B.I. and C.J. out, they're still winning games and find themselves in third place right now currently in the Western Conference standings behind the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. They're having a good year. Having a good year. Seven and three in their last ten, and they've won back-to-back games. So shout out to the Pels, man. Pels got it going on. Now, Can they sustain it? That's the big question mark I have for the Pelicans. Not that they don't have talent. Not that they don't have a good young coach in Willie Green, because they do. Check, check. Can they sustain success? That's the biggest hurdle for any team that's been down and has struggled to get their act together is figuring out a way to finally get to the point where you can sustain success. You expect it, right? You expect to be the best team on the court night in, night out. We'll see if the Pelicans can make that happen. That's my biggest question mark. Zion developing the chemistry with everyone, learning how to play, in particular when him and Valachunas are both on the court at the same time because it tends to be a defensive liability. Figuring that out, but also... Once they get up there, can they sustain it? Because sometimes we see this, especially in the NBA, where a team will emerge and then they don't know how to deal with the success because they're not used to it. On the pitch, meanwhile, the World Cup is out of group stage. We're down to our 16 teams. The Americans are in it, right? Non-stop 13-day group stage is coming to an end. That will officially end on Friday, but we already know what our round of 16 teams are going to be. So some of the matches that are going on today are pretty much irrelevant, so to speak. We already know what we look at here. Round of 16 will begin Saturday morning with Netherlands versus the United States. And Australia taking on Argentina. Argentina overcomes that awful, awful loss to Saudi Arabia to actually win Group C to move on. They're still going to be your betting line favorite. They still have Messi, obviously. I mean... You have one of the world's best players. You're going to have a chance. But as we move on to the knockout stages, 
because that's what it's going to be on Saturday. Once again, Netherlands versus United States. Netherlands played for the World Cup championship in 2010. Will be a tough out for the U.S. Argentina taking on Australia also on Saturday as well. Then it's going to be on Sunday, France versus Poland. Poland, probably one of the more surprised teams in the field of 16. England taking on Senegal, also on Sunday. So round of 16 has arrived, and Team USA still has a chance. We'll see. Netherlands is going to be tough. Their draw is not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. So we'll see. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to look ahead to the weekend. It's championship weekend in college football. We didn't have them on last week because of the holiday. But Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, our sports betting analyst, the man we trust, is going to join us to help you with those betting lines for this weekend's action. That's coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. College football championship weekend is here. Conference championship games are going to be on tap. Then we'll have the college football playoff field and the bowl games announced on Sunday. It's going to be a busy weekend. And look, I know many of you out there want to put a little extra scratch in your back pocket. Christmas is here. Need a little extra money to buy gifts for the wife and the kids. You know what? Maybe you should pay attention. Because our next guest, well, let me tell you, last week, another winning week for he and his team at Paramount Sports. They've won 13 of 16 weeks this season, okay? Their 45-unit college football blowout special in Kansas State was a runaway, and they're now 5-1 and one on 45-50 to 50 unit plays in 2022. This is why we have him on every single week. Gave him off last week because it was the holiday turkey day, but he's back and he's raring to go for championship weekend. It's our friend Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, the sports betting analyst we trust. Lee, good morning to you, brother. How was your Thanksgiving, my friend? Great. Um, I had my daughter in from New York City. She flew in and um, the pie, you know, judging contest, a little uh, curveball was thrown in because usually we have the blueberry or the huckleberry pie, but uh, they surprised me with a huckleberry pie, and also we included a key lime pie. So I mean, it was who doesn't like eating pie? <laughs> so it was it was incredible. Great uh, 
time, family and friends. And then we even rented a box. Uh, my brother came down from Jupiter. All four of his boys were in town. Three of them lived out, out of town. And uh, for the Panthers game, Florida Panthers game, two nights later against the St. Louis Blues. So uh, fun, 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 fun weekend. And even have more to look forward to. Actually, my daughter just announced she's going to be singing the national anthem for the Orange Bowl football game Friday, December 30th. So look forward to that. Man, it's good to be Lee Sterling right now. That's what you're <laughs> right, telling me. Right. <laughs> and, 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 I have some talented uh, kids and family members. There so. it is, brother. Pretty there impressive. it is. Is it wrong that I got the most excited about your life because of the pie? I mean, is that wrong? I oh, mean, no? who doesn't like pie? I mean, <laughs> we even had uh, uh, pumpkin pie there, apple pie, cherry pie. I mean, it's just incredible. I, I think I gained four and a half pounds still trying to work it off. How about you? Brother, uh, you and I have met in person. you got nothing to worry about. Um, it, it, when, when you get up to being my size, okay, when you have to go see Omar, the tent maker, to make your clothes, then you can oh, be worried. Well, you're, then, you're, then you you're can fine. be worried. I, I just I got to get up every Sunday morning and play basketball against uh, the combination of, of guys my age, you know, in the 50s. And now these, you know, my nephews are starting to play, so they're in their mid-20s. So, uh, you know, I think I need to drop 10, 15. <laughs> Well, let's get let's get right to yep. the weekend slate, brother. It's a championship weekend. Let's start off with a game a lot of people are circling as possibly an upset special, and I, I don't buy it. At TCU, Kansas State, they faced off during the regular season. TCU yep. was able to win that game by 10. Kansas State is ranked number 10 in the most recent college football playoff rankings, and you know the committee's showing them some respect there. Wildcats have played spoiler before in Big 12 championship games in their history. What do you think of this matchup between the undefeated Horned Frogs and the Wildcats? Should be a fun game. I mean, the first game looked like it was going to be incredible until Will Howard went down with the injury. But um, two red-hot quarterbacks, Will Howard, has played less than half a season, and he has 13 touchdowns and two interceptions. And Max Dugan, 29 touchdowns and just three interceptions and also has five touchdown runs. And both defenses very opportunistic two top ten turnover margin teams. So that's why they're so successful. Now, Kansas State's got some good offensive players, but I just think TCU's a cut above. Kendra Miller, almost 1,300 yards and 16 touchdowns. He's explosive. And Quinton Johnson, a lot of people don't realize who this kid is. He is like 6'5". He's a burner. He's been banged up the last couple weeks. Looks like he'll be healthy for the receiver for TCU. He could end up going, I'm hearing, in the top ten of the draft. He is that good. So, um, Quentin Johnson is incredible. Um, just think that here, people may be downgrading TCU. Just keep talking about how they're winning close games, but those characteristics for a team to have, I, I think it's something that oddsmakers kind of undervalue to some degree here. I'm going to keep riding TCU one more week, 35-30. Kansas State does have a, a, a stud on the defensive side, you know, in, yep. in that front seven. But I agree with you, and I also think you know TCU's been in this 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 boat before. Not this team in particular, but remember, 2014 uh, in the next to last rankings, they were ranked number three, and then beat their next opponent mm -hmm. 55 to three, and then fell to six. Right, so yep. they're not going to leave it to chance here. They're going to have an opportunity to punch their ticket to the playoff, and I think they get the job done. Two, two, two well-coached teams this year. Uh, love the Kansas State coaching staff. Obviously, we see they've done the last couple of years. But Sonny Dykes has been kind of underlooked. You know, he's taken the SMU teams 
it seems like he starts off every year five and zero, six and zero, and then they lose along the way. But maybe he's figured it out. Let's go to Clemson, North Carolina, the ACC championship game. Uh, what three weeks ago? Maybe uh, three, four weeks ago. Yeah. This looked like, hey, this could be a college football playoff matchup. This could be the winner could get punch their ticket, especially Clemson. Well. North Carolina has faded down the stretch, losing to unranked teams in back-to-back weeks. They've seen them just tumble down. And then Clemson gets tripped up by Spencer Rattler playing his very best football back-to-back weeks as South Carolina took down Clemson and knocked them out of the college football playoff. I, I know an Orange Bowl bid is on the line more than likely here, but I do wonder now that Clemson has fallen again, and they're going to be out of the playoff race, and they're facing a North Carolina team that's looking for answers. Uh, what kind of game can we expect here? Well, the Tar Heels, I mean, what's nice is we can see an entire body of work for the season, which is nice when you look at a game. And also, Mac Brown, he's one of these coaches, and when his team, you know, uh, needs to play their best, they, they seem to falter. But when they're an underdog, they play at a different level. So right. I like them in this situation. Uh, all three of their losses have been by seven points or less. And, you know, who knows what goes on with Clemson here? Maybe they insert Cole Klubnik to start or to play uh, half this game. Uh, DJ did not look good last week. I mean, oh, man, he eight awful. For 29 for a lowly 99 yards versus pretty weak South Carolina defense. I know they were fired up. South Carolina going to the game, but still not that talented here. I'll take the dog as the favorite Tigers here. Have seemingly nothing to play for here. You can say, oh, going down to play for the Orange Bowl, but when you play for national championships, um, after that, it's just not the same. I like North Carolina outright. Wrong team favorite, 31-30. Let's go to the American Athletic Conference Championship game, which is going to be held at Yolman Stadium. In New Orleans, Tulane, a great story this year. A win against UCF will punch their ticket to the Cotton Bowl Classic, and that would be a great feather in the cap for Willie Fritz and his team. Now, these two teams faced off not that long ago, Lee, a game that UCF won and their quarterback ran all over them, but the former Ole Miss star pulled a hammy in the last game against South Florida. That could play a role in this ballgame. Tulane's favored by three. How do you like the AAC championship game? So, yeah, I think that's going to play into this game here. So, UCF got them for 336 rushing yards, 6.2 yards per carry, and four rushing touchdowns. Um, They also had some problems with Cincinnati. Cincinnati put up 235 rushing yards almost five and a half yards per carry and three rushing touchdowns here. I think when you have a rematch, it goes to the team that lost the first game. And now Tulane is playing at home, uh, possibly does not have to face the quarterback that burned him. I think also maybe burden is maybe lifted off their shoulders now that their coach is staying. I mean, I, I don't think it would have been a good move for Willie Fritz. I mean, to go from Tulane to Georgia Tech, I think if he's going to make a move, he can get a better job than that here. Uh, usually, and remember in the first game was 38-31 UCF, usually in the second game, lower scoring. I think Tulane's going to win this game something like 28-20. to So I'm going to take Tulane. Maybe the strongest play here is to look to the under, under 57 total points. I like that too. I think it's going to be a yeah. bit of a slugfest a little bit, and it's going to be yeah. 
a low-scoring affair. Let's go to Atlanta. This matchup, boy, a week ago felt a lot better. (laughs) It felt a lot bigger. But then LSU lays an absolute egg on the road to a team that's not even going to a bowl game in Texas A&M. They were the... Uh, they were the team that got pushed around. Texas A&M was the more yep. physical team in that game. And the point spread for the SEC championship game between LSU and Georgia is now up to 18. It's actually climbed this week. Uh, what do you make of this matchup between the Dogs and the Tigers? So some people will say LSU was looking ahead uh, when they lost last week to a and I think they got whipped at the line of scrimmage here. They and did. That could be an even bigger problem against a much more talented Georgia team. And, you know, Georgia, it's not a must-win. Even if they lose, they would still end up getting into the uh, playoff, in my opinion, pretty easily. But uh, I-, I think that they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage here. And if Jaden Daniels isn't 100%, I know he's in a walking boot uh, early in the week, it's going to be tough for LSU. LSU still has a lot of deficiencies. I think if people remember early in the season, uh, most people identified those, and then, you know, they just caught fire here. Uh, I think Georgia just is going to be too much here. I think they win and cover 41-16. Monday night football, Tampa Bay versus New Orleans in Tampa. The Saints are maddening because they'll look decent. Uh, One week, their defense looks really good, and the offense looks awful. The next week, it's vice versa. And you know what? They look awful. They look like one of the worst five teams in the NFL, yet the division is absolute trash, and Tampa looks awful too. And if the Saints win on Monday night football, they're right in the mix for the division title, which is insane to me at this point in the season for a 4-8 team. Point spread is only three, and that's for the home team in favor of the home team. That's Italy. What do you make of this matchup? I think they're baiting you uh, to take Tampa Bay here. And the Saints, I mean, they move up and down between the 20s. I mean, just in the red zone, they've been awful. Also, look at uh, fewest takeaways defense. I think they have talent on the defense. They should have many more takeaways. They're number four in penalties, and that'll cost you. Look at the first game this year. James Winston threw three interceptions in that game when they only lost 20-10. to 10, And their defense held the Bucks to only 13 first downs in that game. And remember this here, uh, New Orleans here, 12-0 and against the spread as a division dog getting three or more points here. I, I think the wrong team's favorite. I'm going to go with New Orleans here. Ooh. I think they win the game outright here, 24-20. Lee making all the Saints fans. Who that nation? Yep feel good about themselves all right brother let's get to uh, uh the free game and that's going to be the sunbelt conference championship i have questions here troy i've seen them up close and personal defense is absolutely salty they are legit coastal carolina has a little bit more name recognition but you know what no grayson mccall their star quarterback and their head coach jamie chadwell his name's been thrown around for the liberty job and the south florida job uh who do you like in this point spread favors Troy by eight. Anyone who wants to get it, all they need to do, have a real strong opinion on this game, just call 800-400-9741 right now. This is a client play. We'll give it to you for free. 1-800-400-9741. And, I mean, what a year we've had. 13 out of 16 winning weeks since the start of the preseason. Hit our 45-unit best bet last week with Kansas State. Now 5-1 and one 
on our 45 and 50 unit plays. It looks like we'll have another 40, 45 unit play again this weekend in college football. So you want to hop on board. We call it Double Down December. You get championship week games, get all the college ball games through December 31st, and four weeks of the NFL, just $297. One place. Love to have you come on board for the ride. No one hotter, no one better. ParamountSports.com. Lee, appreciate your time. Brother, enjoy your weekend. Good luck. You too, buddy. Take care. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll update the poll question of the day. It's about the college football playoffs. Did they get it right with 12? It's going to begin in 2024. We'll update that for you and share your comments. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and those World Series champion Houston Astros. Needing to grab some Christmas gifts? Then look no further than AcadianaDeals.com. Right now, you can score a discounted rate for vouchers to buy you Pop Gourmet Popcorn, who has more than 40 flavors in gourmet popcorn. Mudcat Whiskers, where you can get handcrafted beard grooming products. And Emmy's Ice Cream Bar, which offers up supreme ice cream. You can get an additional 50% off this week only. Just use the discount code DELTA50. That's DELTA50 to score an additional discount at AcadianaDeals.com. Don't delay. This offer ends Friday at midnight, so go visit AcadianaDeals.com right now. Our poll question of the day, what is the ideal number of teams for the college football playoff? Once again, the Rose Bowl was the last hurdle. They agreed to play along, play nice with the college football playoff committee, which means the 12-team playoff, which was set to debut in 2026, is now going to be bumped up to 2024. That's going to happen. We asked you, is that the sweet spot? Is that the right number? 47% of you say 12 is the right number. 39% say 8. 12% of you say 16. And 2% of you say Four. Let's get to some additional comments, shall we? Trey Broussard on Twitter says, more starters will sit during the cupcake games if too many games is a concern. I think you're going to see that. I also think you're going to see less non-conference games. You've already heard this from the SEC where they're going to go to more conference games because of adding Texas and Oklahoma, and they may only have one non-conference game. I could see that being a reality as well. So... That could be where you sit all your starters for sure or all your big impact players don't get overused, so to speak. Edward Purvis on Facebook says, put the top 20 ranked teams in. That would eliminate the question of who is the best team. So there you go. Man says go with 20. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. What is the ideal number for teams for the college football playoff? Two hours are in the books in this on this chilly Thursday morning, but not to worry. We still got an hour to go. Bill Bender from the Sporting News will help us preview college football's championship weekend. That'll be coming up a little bit more than half an hour from right now. But up next, after this timeout, Les East from CrescentCitySports.com. We're going to talk Saints, Bucks, Monday Night Football. 
We're also going to talk New Orleans Pelicans, who got a win last night and are the third best team in the Western Conference currently. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Eight oh three on the clock. Final hour has arrived here of RP3 and Company. We've had a good show so far, talking a lot, a lot about the college football playoff rankings and the Rose Bowl's decision to play nice and let them expand the playoff field from 4 to 12 two years earlier. That'll begin now in 2024. That is what is now going to happen. Top six conference champions will automatically get in, six at larges. Four, your top four seeds will receive buys. Five through 12 will play their games on campus sites in the quarterfinal round. It's going to happen. It's become a billion-dollar industry. Spent a lot of time talking about that. But you know what? It's time for us to talk about professional sports. How about the New Orleans Pelicans? Oh, man, seven and three of their last ten. They're third in the Western Conference currently, and they're doing so with their guys being banged up under the weather. They're still finding ways to win ball games. To talk about that as well as the New Orleans Saints is our good friend, Les East from CrescentCitySports.com. Les, good morning to you. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving for you and your family, brother. Yeah, it was good, Raymond. How was yours? It was good. I ate and took a nap, so it was successful. That's pretty much the main ingredients. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a hard man to please, Les. I, I, it's just very. You know, give me a chance to to eat and uh, sleep in my recliner, and I'm, I'm I'm good to go, brother. I'm good to go. So I want to start with the positive about New Orleans sports, and I want to talk about the Pelicans. They win again last night, and they do so without Bi. They do so without CJ McCollum. What I like about this team and what I think is a huge benefit right now for them, while these guys are out, Zion is getting reps on the court, in-game reps with his teammates to help develop chemistry because that was one of the bigger concerns is him getting familiar with everyone and developing chemistry with all these guys, learning how to play in space together. This is a great thing, not only that they're winning games, but also – that Zion gets some one-on-one time with these guys like Trey Murphy and Valachunas and the others. Yeah, it's really been significant, and uh, we saw it especially last night, um, you know, and really the the two games this week at home, uh, Oklahoma City on Monday as well. Williamson has just sort of taken over, and, uh, you know, there was a, a point last night, they were up, 31 points and the lead got down to 13 with almost six minutes left and uh it was looking a little shaky there because uh toronto was really playing well 
and then um, Zion just made a spin move on the baseline and dunked, and then he stole the ball and made a layup, and then Dyson Daniels had a putback, and then Zion scored again, and all of a sudden it was you know a 21-point lead or an 19-point lead, and it was over, and he just decided that enough is enough. We're going to put this away right now, and he did it almost single-handedly, and he did a lot of that these last two games. And one thing, it looks like now that they're, you know, a quarter of the way into the season, they're getting a little more comfortable going back to the point Zion thing, where where he plays the point, uh, which he did two years ago under Stan Van Gundy. And um, Willie Green hadn't had a chance to experiment with that yet in games. And now that uh, there's some chemistry being built up with, uh, Zion and his teammates, I think he feels more comfortable seeing how that looks within his system, and it looks pretty good. Why does Willie Green do so well with younger players? While Stan Van Gundy struggled with this, Willie Green last year, we saw him with Trey Murphy, we saw him with Herb Jones, rookies, gets the best out of them, right? He knows how to appeal to them, he knows how to relate to them, and even the younger players, a little bit older, they've been in the league for a couple of years. He knows how to connect with them, and we're seeing it again. Daniels, as a 19-year-old rookie, comes in off the bench and nearly gets a triple-double last night, Les. I mean, a lot of teams don't do a good job of coaching up their young talent. Willie Green does a phenomenal job with that. Yeah, I think part of it is that uh, he trusts them, and he'll give them an opportunity, and he, he tells them and sh- – demonstrates to them that he believes in them and gives them an opportunity to show that his belief is justified. Well, you know, Stan Van Gundy, even though he's a good coach in some ways, he was really old school. And uh, I don't think he trusted young players a whole lot. And I think he was very traditional in in roles for players and, and how he used people. Willie does a good job, I think, figuring out uh, ways to use players that aren't necessarily conventional. You know, he finds what players can do and uh, allows them to thrive within what their skill set is. And it doesn't necessarily, you don't have to be a traditional point guard. You don't have to be a traditional shooting guard, a small forward or whatever. If there's a way for you to produce within his system, he finds a way to give you that opportunity and he can uh, modify his system and his lineup to give you an opportunity to contribute. And, you know, Dyson Daniels, for a young guy, is really good at running the offense. I mean, he trusts him uh, primarily because of his defense. That's what gets him on the court. But he can also run the offense and he can also shoot and so he finds a role for him and puts him out there. He played down the stretch on Monday night and had a huge steal in the final minute that helped them, you know, hold on against the Thunder. So he, he has confidence in the players, and I think those young players uh, feel that, and it, it trans, translates into confidence from them. They're definitely a confident bunch. They're also a deep team, um, and – they have a roster where Willie can come in and out. I mean, last night, you don't have B.I., you don't have C.J. McCollum. 
he still played what nine guys nine or ten guys and they still get a win against a pretty good team out of the east what do you see as we almost hit the quarter point of the regular season in this team that really kind of stands out to you that was different from say the last couple years well i mean the it's not only the depth, but it's the versatility and it's the confidence he has in the depth. You know, Monday night they played without two starters and two rotation guys because Nance and Marshall were both out. Nance came back last night, but they were still without three guys last night. And instead of shortening the rotation and maybe playing eight or nine guys, he still played 10 or 11 guys. He played like 14 guys on Monday night. I mean, even Jackson Hayes got into the game, which doesn't happen very much these days. And uh, so instead of just saying, we got to go, you know, we're missing four guys. We're not going to go as deep into the bench because I don't trust my bench. He said, we're going to play just as much uh, with our bench players as we do normally, maybe even more so because we want guys like Garrett Temple and Devontae Graham and Jackson Hayes to stay engaged and to have an opportunity because we're going to need them at some point during the season. So we're missing some guys. Let's give them an opportunity to contribute. And for the most part, he was rewarded by doing that. And he did that Monday night. He did it again last night. And and it helped last night that he had Larry Nance back. And uh, so he doesn't hesitate to continue to go nine or 10 or 11 guys deep, even when he's missing three or four of his primary players. So uh, the depth on this team is is remarkable and might be even better than we thought going into the season. And he he doesn't hesitate uh, to go as, as deep into the rotation as he needs to go. What's the one thing that you still feel like they need to work on and keep improving on? Well, you know, last night there was there was some ball security issues when, when the Raptors did sort of come back and try and make a game of it. There were some turnovers in there. There was some stagnation on offense um, that that slowed them down a little bit. So I I think taking care of the basketball was a bit of an issue last night. I, I don't think that's been a chronic problem by any means, but it was something. Uh, that that they didn't do a great job with last night. Maybe they can do a little bit better with. But there's really not anything you can point to as being a weakness. They're they're a better three-point shooting team than they've been in the past. They've rebounded well. Their defense is much better than it was in the past. And they're routinely getting about five guys into double figures scoring. So uh, they have pretty much everything they need Um to succeed and uh you know i just think it's a matter of getting better and better and and to me at this point they're ahead of schedule i thought the first month or two of the season might be a little bumpy for them as they tried to figure out combinations and rotations and that's really not been the case even though they've had a fair number of injuries we're talking with Les East, covers the New Orleans Pelicans and the Saints for the CrescentCitySports.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, let's switch over to the black and gold. Uh, they just can't have two good games back-to-back because they're a bad team. This is what bad teams do. They 
lead the league in penalties and they lead the league in false starts and they don't force turnovers and they commit some of the most turnovers of any team. And this is what bad teams do. Yet, heading into Monday night's matchup in Tampa, if they beat the Bucks, which they kind of own in recent years, ever since Tom Brady arrived in Tampa with the exception of the playoffs, they can be right back in the playoff hunt at 5-8 and eight with a win on Monday night. Do you have any confidence whatsoever that Dennis Allen and that team can go into Tampa and get a win? No, I don't have any confidence. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they did that because Tampa's not much better. But, I, you know, I, I, I think this, this notion of looking at how bad the division is and trying to extrapolate how they can still get into the playoffs because NFL re- rules require that division champions go to the playoffs no matter how terrible they are. Uh, is really insignificant at this point. They haven't won two games in a row all season. There's no reason to think they can win two in a row down the stretch. And at some point, they're probably going to have to do that if they're going to win the division. So uh, they need to get a win Monday night, period. It doesn't matter what the standings are. It doesn't matter what they've done with Tampa Bay in the past. Tiebreakers don't matter. They have to win a game Monday, go into their bye, and then come out of the bye and play another game and then see where they're at. They're they're not good enough to to look at anything beyond them trying to get one win in their next game. That's that's it. That's all that uh, we need to look at for this team right now, and then, uh, then we'll take a look at the next game. You've covered this team a long time, brother. You're from New Orleans, and you've been there a long time. You've seen a lot of Saints. You've seen a lot of bad Saints. Uh, did you think that you'd see another shutout, their first one since 2002? I mean, when the defense holds the 49ers to only 13 points, yet the offense can't get anything. I mean, just I, I, I was stunned by that. I know San Francisco's got a good team. They may be the best team in the NFC when it's all said and done. But to be shut out for the first time since 2002 is just just mind-boggling. No, I didn't expect to see that, and yet the fact that it happened, especially against a defense as good as San Francisco, didn't really um, shock me. And, uh, you know, statistics oftentimes and streaks are, can be misleading. Uh, yeah, they didn't score, and yet they had five possessions that reached San Francisco territory. A couple of them uh, got near the goal line. You know, if the game situation had been different on those last two possessions, uh, Will Lutz goes out there and kicks a chip shot field goal, even though he missed a, a, a longer win during the game. And they get the field goal, and then the streak's intact, and nobody's talking about, oh, my God, it's been 20 years since they've been shut out. Well, if there had been a few minutes left, and a few more minutes left in the game late, they would have kicked the field goal. And they wouldn't have been shut out, and they would have lost, and nobody would have talked about the significance of them being shut out. So that, that's a little bit misleading. The fact is their offense could not execute on the San Francisco end of the field when they had opportunities. Alvin Kamara fumbled twice. Uh, it's probably time that we start talking about his ball security issue that nobody's talked about. He cost them. Uh, he turned the Carolina game around with a fumble that was yeah. run back for a touchdown. Two turnovers last week. 
Uh, and so they have a bad offense. They don't have good quarterback play. They have a lot of injuries on the offensive line. They're still beat up at wide receiver. And uh, so it's not surprising that they weren't able to score at San Francisco against maybe the best defense in the NFC. Yeah, I know Kamara's built up goodwill because he's been there and he's been a great player for them. But he is having a bad year, and the ball security issues just, you know, he only had, what, seven lost fumbles in his entire career heading to the season. He already has four this year, right? So there's got to be some accountability there for his play, too, not not being able to kind of rise to the occasion, so to speak, Les. I think that's fair. Yeah, and it really stands out because they never take the ball away. So Correct. each time they give it away, it's 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 more harmful and it stands out more. And he, his have really stood out. You know, the one at Carolina was devastating, and then the ones you know they were moving the ball a little bit early in the game when he lost the first one, and he loses the second one at the San Francisco one yard line in a two score game. In the uh, I believe it was late in the third quarter. And so they've been particularly devastating. So uh, that's just one of many problems that, that this team has right now. Well, we never have any problem with you coming on every week, bud. So we got that going for us. Thank you for making the time as always, bud. I hope you enjoy your weekend. Thanks, Raymond. That's Les East from CrescentCitySports.com. Covers the Pelicans and the Saints. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll update that poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. RP3 doesn't play around when it comes to his personal life. I got one NFL team. I got one college team. I got one Major League Baseball team. And the big fella's also monogamous when it comes to his sports fandom. That's what I got my merch for. That's who I support. Period. Call me old-fashioned. Bien. Call me old-fashioned. That's fine. I'll be old-fashioned. RP3 is just committed to providing you with great sports talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana. Sports Station. Oh, your Alexa or Google Home speaker helps out around the house, doesn't it? It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. But did you know that it can also play the game? Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Once again, just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. Coming up in about seven minutes from right now, Bill Bender, college football reporter columnist from the Sporting News, will be joining us here on RP3 and Company to preview championship weekend. And we'll talk a little Heisman. Who's the front runner? Have we not talked enough about the TCU quarterback? Just throwing it out there. And Caleb Williams for USC? We'll get Bill's thoughts on that and so much more. That's coming up. Our poll question of the day. We asked you, what's the ideal number of teams for the college football playoff? Once again, Rose Bowl finally 
agreed to whatever the terms are for the college football playoff committee and the college football playoff entity to give up its restrictions. This will allow the 12-team playoff to debut in 2024 instead of 2026. It's going to be two years earlier. 12-team playoff. Is that the sweet spot? What is the ideal number for the college football playoff? We asked you, man, some votes have been coming in strong here. 45% of you do say 12 is the sweet spot, but 42% of you say 8 is the sweet spot. 11% say 16. Only 2% say it should stay where it's at with only four teams. Lots of tons of great comments here on this. Bob Rose has chimed in, say six, give the top two a bye, and then he follows that up. While that is my style, talking about being cantankerous, that's what John Paul Cajun Daddy said, he's always thought that a 16 playoff would be best. Ultimately, they'll probably end up with 12 because of the money. Which makes a lot of sense. James Mesh co-host of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, afternoon producer, and the man that Hannah Five Names lovingly refers to as Donut, says, I'm honestly chill with any one of them, as long as it's more than four. It takes four rounds to decide a champion in the NFL and NBA, so college football should have at least three rounds. It's a good point. And I look, I think 12 is a good spot as well. I like 12. Because once again, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get the top six ranked conference champions, which automatically pays the way for a group of five champion. And then you can get six at large. So like a year, like this year, if Tulane wins its game against UCF, guess what? The Green Wave are going to the playoffs if the playoffs were 12 this year. Doug says, right now all the talk is how can Bama and Ohio State get in, so let's just go to six, and if need be, that could be expanded later. Go Tigers beat Georgia. They're going to 12. And and, and here's the good and here's the bad of it. The good is more teams get an opportunity, one. The second part of that is that you're going to have playoff games on campus sites. That's exciting. I mean, can you imagine what it's going to be like to see LSU or Alabama have to go play at Michigan in December? That's going to be awesome. Or see Penn State face off against Clemson? We're going to have some great matchups, right, with this. So that's good. And your group of five, your highest-ranked group of five champion is going to have a seat at the table. Also good. But here's the other part of this. And we've talked about the concerns about sometimes maybe even having to play up to 17 games, the health of the players, how this is going to definitely ensure NIL is going to continue to dominate college football because you're going to need NIL money to keep these kids in place to play these games because they're playing so many more games. That's all part of it too. But the bigger thing is this. It's been a steady line of complaints since 2014 about the same teams over and over and over again being in the playoff. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma. 
Now, this year, we're not going to have it. If everything holds to form, we're going to have a college football playoff without Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma. That's refreshing. But when we go to 12, (laughs) this pretty much secures the fact that you're going to see Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State in the field. Because we know how the committee feels about those teams. We know how the committee likes to prop them up. We've debated it. We've discussed it at length on this show, on this on this station, on these airwaves. That's not going to change. Just saying. Unless Nick Saban retires and they go into an absolute crater, which will happen when he retires. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and if they can ever get Oklahoma back on track, they'll be in the mix. Keep those votes coming for the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But coming up next, Bill Bender, columnist, reporter for the Sporting News, previewing championship weekend, talking Heisman Trophy as well. That's all going to be coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team at Pat O's. We're going streaking! We'll let you guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Championship weekend for college football is here. Going to crown the conference champs. Some big marquee matchups and definitely ones that most of the country is going to be paying attention to due to playoff implications. To break down that, as well as the Rose Bowl, reportedly signing off on expanding the playoffs to 12 and doing it two years early, and some Heisman Trophy talk is one of the best college football reporter columnists in the country, our friend Bill Bender from the Sporting News now joins us. Bill, good morning. Hope you and your family had a tremendous Thanksgiving, brother. Yeah, we did. Thanks, RP3. Same to you. All right, bud, let's get to the news that broke last night. Uh, how surprised are you that the Rose Bowl finally kind of relented here and said, okay, uh, you know, we're, we're going to try to fight the good fight for as long as we can to keep our premier you know, spot when we're not part of the rotation and all these other things, and just go in and sign off on it, and we get the playoff expanded two years earlier now? I'm not surprised. I mean, it's it's good for the Rose Bowl. It's good for college football. They, they generally they have held out before when it was the BCS, and yep. it's taken a minute to do that, but yeah, it's good. I think getting, now regardless of your play, thoughts on the 12-team playoffs, that's another story, but... um yeah, we're headed toward it, and it's going to be good for the game, I think. Why do you have some trepidation? Because I hear it in your voice. Yeah, because I, wa- I want the best teams. I mean, like a year like this year, Raymond, to me, it's Michigan and Georgia are the two best teams. Correct. Earn that through 12 weeks. They're going to earn it on Saturday, I think. They're 13-0. Now, it's not taken away from TCU or USC, but you know, it, it's – 
comes from what I watched last Saturday. You know, I watched Michigan go out and beat Ohio State by 22 points at Ohio Stadium. And all it takes for Ohio State to get back in the playoff or TCU to slip up this weekend. So, I mean, part of me is like, are we really the best teams in the championship game? And the, the, the quirkiness about college football, to me, is what makes it so cool. And in some ways, the 12-team playoff will take away from that. And, you know, the other thing that – I, and I have some trepidation as well. On, on one hand, I'm excited about more teams having opportunities, right? I'm excited mm-hmm. that – the they're going to take the the top six highest ranked conference champs, which means a group of five champion is going to have a seat at the table every year, right? So that that, that makes me excited, um, and, and I like that, and I like having some variety. But on the same hand, we've had the issue of the blowouts as it is since the college football playoff has begun in 2014. You're adding more teams. Maybe we don't get those because you're going to have those 5-12 and 6-11, 7-10, 8-9 matchups. But I I don't know. I do worry about, you know, is it going to water things down a little bit? So I'm a little torn here. You know, I'm excited, but on the same hand, I have trepidation as well. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the whole thing is will this, again, be good for the game? Will it be uh, – um, like you said, it's good for schools like, say, Tulane, who uh, would get in the playoff this year. But how excited as a Tulane fan? Yeah, part, yeah, you're excited. Then on the other end, oh, you're going up to Ohio Stadium, up to Michigan, uh, where it's going to be freezing and, you know, that kind of thing. And then you're playing in a playoff game there. I don't know. I see how it goes. I am, like you, excited that it's going to have more teams, more opportunities. But if you're – Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson on some level, I guess, Georgia. I mean, they're going to be like North Carolina and Duke in the basketball tournament. They're going to be in it every year anyway now. Yep. So beating them in the regular season like Michigan did on Saturday, I think it'll mean as much. Maybe I'm wrong. I, you, you and I are on the same 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 page there. I do have that that same thought process. All right. Brother, let's get to these conference championship matchups, and let's start with the Big Ten. Uh, I feel that Michigan's win over Ohio State may be the most impressive win I've seen all season, even more so than Georgia over Tennessee. Uh, Michigan was just the more physical team. They had the big chunk plays. They were able to do it without some star players. Uh, uh, Immensely impressed. The Wolverines just have to take down Purdue in the Big Ten championship game to punch their ticket. What do you think of that matchup between the Wolverines and the Boilermakers? Well, I think Purdue will hang around a little bit. You know, obviously, stories out there, Aiden O'Connell's brother passed away. It's horrible. I mean, for somebody that age to have to go through that, I feel for him and his family. And he is a pretty good quarterback. They are going to throw it around. They, they lead the Big Ten in passing attempts. That's no secret. I just don't know if they can do it four quarters. I mean, the most impressive thing about Michigan right now is the way they play in the second half. And they just ground teams down into nothing. And they did that to Ohio State, which was a stunner. So I think it's close at half, and then Michigan pulls away a little bit. I don't think it'll matter if Warren plays or not. They, they roar on. And I do think that this team, I know what happened with Georgia last year. I'm not saying they're going to beat Georgia this year. But if they get a look, another look at the Bulldogs, it's going to be a different kind of game. I think it'll be a lot closer this time around. 
Let's talk about those Bulldogs because their marquee matchup in the SEC championship game has lost a little luster because LSU laid an absolute egg and got pushed around by a four-win at the time Texas A&M team. The SEC championship game, you know, kind of has lost a little luster, but the Bulldogs understand what's at stake. They punch their ticket as the, you know, undefeated team and the defending national champs. What do you make of the SEC battle in Atlanta? I mean, you said it. There's a lot, a little bit taken off of it. I think one of the key is in this game is, you know, you watch what uh, um, LSU and their two SEC losses, what happened. They, they've allowed 200 or more rushing yards to Tennessee and Texas A&M, and that's bad news when you're playing against Georgia, who's going to ground you with the three running backs and that multi-passive attack. Another stat I kind of dug up this week that I was just amazed I'd, like, triple-check it, that's been Bennett hadn't taken a sack in five games. Oof. So, that, that's, can you imagine half a season not taking a sack? It's, a, it's basically one game away from that. Um, so, LSU's going to have to take advantage of their pass rushing opportunities with Perkins and Ojolari, and if that doesn't happen, it's, it's going to be a long, long day. I think Georgia wins comfortably. I know there's history between these two in this game, but uh, I like the Bulldogs to roll in the second half. Let's go to the ACC. That's another game that's kind of lost its luster. North Carolina has inexplicably kind of uh, lost some tough games to non-ranked opponents down the stretch. Clemson gets caught by South Carolina because Spencer Rattler played to his two greatest games in back-to-back weeks, and neither one has a chance now at the playoff. I, I do wonder, is Clemson going to get up for this game? They should. They get a chance to go to the Orange Bowl, but for a team that's usually competing for the playoff, Are they really going to care? I don't know. Plus, Clemson's offense is just kind of numbing. What do you make of the ACC battle? Ah, It's going to be fun. I mean, like I said, a little off the radar um, because of the losses. But it should be a fun game. should be a a good quarterback showcase for Drake May. And I think for Clemson, a quarterback showcase for who's going to lead this team next year. You know, do they give Klubnik an opportunity if – Duangalele uh, comes out and, and struggles. Clemson um, will be motivated. Obviously, they've won this game. They've been very good in this game over the years under Dabo, and I think it's uh, not a consolation prize, but something that they can use to build on for next season. We're talking with Bill Bender, college football reporter, columnist for the Sporting News. He joins us here on RP3 and Company, previewing championship weekend. Big 12, man, that's the one that kind of intrigues me the most of all the weekend championship games. Because TCU, man, they get a chance after getting denied back in 2014 to get into the playoff. They're not going to leave anything to chance. Sonny Dykes has done a phenomenal job there. And they've already played K-State once. It was kind of a you know close game, what a 10-point game. Wildcats, though, ranked number 10 in the latest college football playoff rankings. And they've proven to be spoiler before in Big 12 championship games over their history. What do you make of the battle between the Wildcats and the Horned Frogs? Rematches, you never know. I mean, obviously, right. uh, it's tough to beat a team twice, but they played so long ago. I know Will Howard, the Kansas State quarterback, since that game, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, TCU, obviously, with Duggan. Um, I, I just think they're going to win. I, I think it's going to be a chalky weekend, and, and they're, they're focused. They know what happened. They don't want to leave anything to chance. And they know. I mean, we wrote about it this morning. They know what happened in 14 with the Buckeyes. And all it takes is one loss for the committee to dismiss a school like TCU, whether that's right or wrong. So 
I think they go out and get the job done and and put themselves in the playoffs. Pac-12 is another rematch from the regular season as well. USC's lone loss came at the hands of the Utah Utes. Their coach was bold and went for a two-point conversion with 42 seconds left, and it paid off, and they were able to take down the Trojans. But Utah is a three-loss team. USC has gotten better since that game. Caleb Williams, Heisman hopeful. Lincoln Riley has the Trojans. Looks like they're about to be ready to be back into the playoff. What do you make of this rematch in the Pac-12 championship game, Bill? It's going to be a good game. Uh, you know, it's, it's obviously, I think it's just hard to re- replicate what you did the first time around and who's who's better off trying to do that. I think Caleb Williams obviously can put his signature on the Heisman Trophy. USC's got a chance to go to the playoff as well. And Utah, they had Utah beat last time. They were up 28-14 in the second quarter. And they, they just kind of let that one slip away. I do think Utah is going to give them a good shot. There's going to be a lot of people rooting against the Trojans. But you look back at Lincoln Riley when he was at Oklahoma, 4-0 in conference championship games. I just think that, that they stay focused. Again, it's, I said, you know, all these people that want chaos, I think they're going to be disappointed this weekend. It's going to be a chalky weekend. I like the Trojans. If someone does slip up, in your opinion, as someone who covers this sport and knows it better than most, who deserves to get in into the college football playoff if TCU or USC slip up? I mean, I don't know that Ohio State or Alabama deserves to get in. There it is. One of them will. There it is. That's what I wanted to hear. I mean, I don't know that they deserve it, but what they deserve and what's going to happen are two different things. I think Ohio State will get in. Um, the motion of that loss will wear off. They'll realize that they you know, had the big wins against Notre Dame and Penn State. And if USC loses, I think Ohio State will get in because USC will have two losses. If TCU loses close, then it gets sticky because you know, TCU had to cat, you know, play for something that the Buckeyes didn't have to play for. Their strength of schedule and victory pretty similar. And that's why I said if you're TCU, you don't want to leave anything to chance. You want to go out and get that job done and move to 13-0 and and punch your ticket. What's your initial thoughts on Hugh Freeze returning to the SEC at Auburn? Uh, you know, it makes sense. Uh, if he's, I, I believe in giving people second chances and those kind of things, and he didn't do anything wrong at Liberty, but build a winner and a fun offense and the things that got him up the ladder in the first place. So, you know, Auburn, you get a coach that – See, you know he knows the SEC. You know he knows what he did wrong, and you also know that he's the last coach to beat Nick Saban in back-to-back seasons in the regular season. So that's right. He's got a scheme that works, and um, he knows how to coach offensive football. And I think that's the biggest reason why they probably hired him. What do you make of Wisconsin and their decision to go poach off one of the better coaches from the Group of Five? And do you think he can turn I, it around? Yeah, I think it's the best hire in this cycle so far. I think Luke Fickle will do a fantastic job there. Um, he, he just developed talent at Cincinnati, turned them into a playoff contender. Wisconsin, I, I tell the people this stat all the time. They're uh, in the playoff era among Power 5 schools. They have the sixth best record. Sixth best. And so it's not like you can't win there. And I think he could develop a quarterback, continue that physical style, reopen their NFL pipeline. Um, I, I think right now, he's the best hire in this cycle 
Would Deion Sanders be crazy to take the Colorado job? Um, I, you know, I don't know. Um, that's one that I think he, he will do a good job no matter where he goes. That job is so far out of the limelight, and he's a guy that likes to be in the spotlight and get attention. And I don't know that Colorado and the Pac-12 is going to get as much attention as he wants. Um, he would get attention down in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Where, where he's popular already. I think you know Cincinnati, even the team that's going to the Big Twelve and has a little pedigree there. So, I, mean, I think he'll be successful no matter where he goes, and he'll do a good job recruiting. I just Colorado is a weird fit for me. All right, bud, we'll get you out of here with this. Who should get the invites to the Heisman Trophy ceremony, in your opinion? Well, I mean, it's going to be Caleb Williams, obviously. Uh, I think C.J. Stroud, Hendon Hooker, and probably Max Duggan. You know, some of these other guys, I mean, Hooker did get hurt. Blake Corum got hurt. Drake May, kind of a little bit of a late-season slide. Bryce Young will be there. I mean, I think he should probably get invited. But, I mean, it really comes down to Caleb Williams. If they win and he plays well, I mean, it's not going to matter who else goes because he's going to take that award home. And uh, I think he deserves it. And Lincoln Riley's magic touch yeah. when it comes to quarterbacks and the Heisman will continue. <laughs> guys, the Absolutely. guys, the Heisman whisperer. Bill, appreciate you, Tom. As always, enjoy the weekend, brother, and we'll talk to you down the road as we gear up for the playoffs and the bowl games, my friend. Hey, sounds good. Thanks so much. We'll wrap up today's show when we come back after this timeout. Finalize that poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Oh, man, if you need to grab some Christmas gifts, then look no further than AcadianaDeals.com. Right now, you can score a discounted rate for vouchers to buy you Pop Gourmet Popcorn, who has more than 40 flavors in Gourmet Popcorn. Mudcat Whiskers, where you can get handcrafted beard grooming products, and Emmy's Ice Cream Bar, which offers up supreme ice cream. You can get an additional 50% off this week only. Just use the discount code DELTA50. That's delta to score an additional discount at AcadianaDeals.com. Don't delay. This offer ends Friday at midnight, so go visit AcadianaDeals.com right now. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, oh, our friends, Margaret and Jay from Crow Country Christmas. Did a great job. They have a great event this weekend. Got to make sure to go check that out. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. Les East from CrescentCitySports.com. And, of course, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. We asked you with our poll question of the day. It's a good one. What's the ideal number for teams for the college football playoff? 45% of you. Final results. Nope. Oh, man, it got closer. 44% of you say 12 is the sweet spot. 43% of you say you prefer 8 11% for 16 and 2% for 4. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day and commented. Good show. we got a great one lined up for you tomorrow as well to close out the work week. But for today, that's going to do it for us. For the producer, extraordinaire Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game. 
Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.